Amen. What a wonderful reminder this morning of the gospel story. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Chris. If you would, be open in your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 24, as we finish up Luke. For those of you who aren't usually with us, uh, we've been going through Luke for a long time, and we're going to finish her up this morning. So Luke chapter 24, we're going to look at the whole chapter. It's Easter, I'm excited, and so about one o'clock or so, let me know, and I'll, I'll finish up, but uh, I'm just kidding, sort of, right? You know, we'll see. But uh, I cut out about half my sermon, so I figure we'll get done about one thirty, but 12.30, um, 12. I'll stop, but Luke chapter 24, I hope you all had a good Easter. Did everybody have a good Easter? Start off with a couple chocolate bunnies, make sure you stay awake there in church, just in case the preacher drags on and on, but no, it's just been a, it's been a good morning for me so far. I hope it has been for you as well. Easter is just a, it's an exciting time every year. It's a time where we just, we get together and we get to celebrate, we get to celebrate life, we get to celebrate the life that Jesus has given us. We get to just enjoy each other and enjoy the, just the, the rejoicing that goes along with this, this day that we remember that our Savior is not dead, but alive. It's an amazing day. But it wasn't so amazing on the first Easter. On the first Easter, on the first Resurrection Sunday, I don't mean to dampen your spirit this morning, but the, the re- first Resurrection Sunday, they were not happy, they were sad. To start off that morning, they didn't wake up to Easter bunnies and things like that. They woke up to a funeral. A couple of ladies got up early in the morning and they prepared spices to go take these spices to the tomb so that they could cover up the smell of what they thought would be Jesus' rotting body. That's how the first Easter began. You see, these women were part of a group of disciples that had begun following this man called Jesus who claimed to be the Savior of the world. They'd been following him for at least probably about three years along with uh, with the other men that had been following him. You see, Jesus... God in flesh had come. God of all the universe had come and put on human flesh. And as He put on human flesh, He he grew up. And as He grew up, He began to live a perfect life. He began to do everything that the Father had told us to do. Everything He told His people to do. Jesus never deviated from the Father's will. He did everything He was supposed to do. And then He went around and He began to heal people. to, To give sight to the blind. To raise the dead to feed 5,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. And everybody probably would have been okay with that. But Jesus didn't stop at just healing and doing miracles. He also preached. And so he would go to the, to the religious people of the day and he'd say, you people think you're good, but you're really not. You're in need of a Savior. And they'd say, we don't really like what you're saying. Then he would sit down with the people that the religious people would call sinners and he'd say, they're, they're not as bad as you think they are. They actually, well, they are as bad as you think they are, but they actually need the gospel and they're receiving the gospel and they're going to enter into heaven before you do. And the religious people really didn't like that. And so then they began to try and figure out a way to kill Jesus. And they did figure out a way to kill Jesus. They handed him over to a man named Pilate. Pilate was the governor of the, the Roman people, uh, or uh, governor of Rome at the time, and he was residing in the place. He was reigning over the place where the Jewish people were. These Pharisees, these religious leaders said, we want you to kill Jesus. And he was like, why? They're like, he claims to be God. And Pilate's like, I don't care. <laughs> He's your problem. He's like, no, you don't understand. They were like, you don't understand. We want you to kill this man. We absolutely hate him. He is claiming that we're not good enough. 
and that these other people can be made good enough. We don't like him. We need you to kill him. And so they kept on and they kept pressing until they finally got Pilate to agree to crucify him. All because of what Jesus had said. Jesus' message was actually very simple. His message was this. Um, you deserve hell, but God offers love and grace and mercy and forgiveness in eternal heaven. All you have to do is believe. You deserve judgment, you deserve punishment, but God offers you forgiveness, grace, and mercy and eternal life with Him. That was Jesus' message, and they hated Him for it. They hated the idea that they couldn't be good enough on their own, and so they began to try and figure out a way to kill Him. And like I said, they, they handed Him over to Pilate, and so Pilate said, well, you know what, we'll just flog Him, we'll just beat Him, and, and then He'll learn His lesson. And so they flogged Him, they beat Jesus, and He hands Him back, He brings Jesus out, and He's like, behold the man... You know what? I don't find anything wrong with this man. Why don't you let me release him? And they're like, no, give us Barabbas. Give us the murderer. We'd rather have Barabbas than Jesus. Crucify Jesus. And he said, you want us to crucify your king? And the response of the, the Jewish people was a resounding, we have no king but Caesar. Kill this man named Jesus. Crucify him. So crucify him, the Romans did. They stripped Jesus naked. Put a a crossbeam across his back, made him carry it up to the to Golgotha, the, the mountain where they crucified, where they executed their criminals in the most humiliating uh, manner imaginable, hung Jesus up and waited on him to suffocate in his own blood. And Jesus died. Everybody saw him die. Just to make sure he was dead, a soldier ran a spear through his side and blood and water came out. And they took him down off of the cross and they went and buried him in a tomb that had never been used before. A man named Joseph of Arimathea gave him this tomb. And then they went home. And they waited because the next day was a Sabbath day. Saturday. Then early on Sunday morning, on the first Easter, we come to Luke chapter 24, verse 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Then we look at verse 5. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? These angels appear to these women who are disillusioned, who are discouraged, who are depressed and disappointed. They are, every one of those words you can think about, I'm sure they are feeling. Remember, they are following the man they believe is going to save them. They believe this man is going to give them a new kingdom. They believe that this man is going to set up an earthly kingdom for them and that they are basically going to rule the whole world. That's what they're waiting on. And then he dies. And they're going to his funeral. They're going to the graveyard, the place where they had put Jesus' body. They look for His body and His body isn't there. And some angels appear and say, what are you doing? Why do you seek the living among the dead? Why are you looking for the Savior who is alive? How should they have known this? Look at verse 6. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of simple men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered His words. 
They were disillusioned, they were depressed, they were, uh, they were sad, they were upset, they were disappointed. Not because Jesus hadn't told them what would happen, but because they had forgotten. They had begun to look for the living among the dead because they did not listen to the Word of God. They did not listen to what Jesus had already told them. This is the first of three times in Luke's Gospel, or Luke chapter 24, where God's people, people who love Jesus, have to be reminded that Jesus told them before he died, I'm going to die, but in three days I'm going to rise again. No one listens. No one paid attention. And so these women show up. They show up for a funeral service for a man who's alive. How embarrassing. I wonder this morning, because I wonder if you are struggling. I wonder if you're disappointed. I wonder if you're disillusioned. I wonder if you're depressed because you're looking for the living among the dead. I wonder if you're having such a hard time on this Easter morning because you have forgotten God's Word to you. You have forgotten what God has told you that we, when we trust on Him, we may die, but we will live forever. I wonder if you're looking for the living among the dead and that you're looking for the dead stuff of this world to finally satisfy that hole in your heart. Can I tell you, won't? Everything in this world is temporary. There's not one thing in this world that will ever, ever satisfy. I can speak from personal experience. There's not much I haven't tried cramming in that hole to make it full. We won't even talk about before I came to know Christ. After I came to know Christ, I, I remember uh, when I first came to know Jesus, you know, he called me into ministry. I didn't want to go, but he called me anyway, and just sort of that, that, this long process. But I remember going to school. And I remember there was a school that had a two-year degree. I was like, that sounds good. I'm done with school. I just want two years. That sounds perfect. That was like ten years ago. I'm still in school, by the way. I, well, um, and, and here's the reason why. Because I finished that two-year degree. Got the training that I needed. And there's some godly men. But along the, the path, someone said, you know, if you get four years, people might respect you a little more. I like, that sounds good. So I got four years. Well, you know, if you get a master's, that's where it at. Then you can be a master, right? No. So I, I did that. Well, you know, that master's not good enough. You need another master's. So I got another master's. And in the process, well, you know, you might as well go ahead and get your doctorate. You've made it this far. And, and every step along the way, you know what has happened? It wasn't any more satisfying than the last. That's why I'm still in school, because I really don't want to finish. Kind of ran out of energy. I was like, eh. Who cares? You know, God doesn't care. Well, he probably does about being a good steward. But, but somewhere along the way, I finally am beginning to understand. Maybe it's just because I'm getting older, but the things of this life that promise to satisfy don't. I remember as a, as a young person, I'm sure we can all relate to this, I remember thinking every year that my birthday or that Christmas would finally satisfy. And no offense to my mom and dad, but they disappointed every year. I thought, well, when I get kids, they're going to love their Christmas. It doesn't matter. Guys, you can give them 10,000 presents, and on 10,001, they're going to say, is that it? I guarantee you. Oh, well, maybe if I get to drive, then I'll be free, and everything will, the skies will part, the clouds will part, the, the heavens will open, and I will finally be satisfied. Until about day two, and you've got to put gas in your truck, right? Well, maybe if I've got a better be vehicle. So that first month and that first payment, got to pay insurance on this new thing. Or you get, you know, stains in it or whatever. Get the first scratch on it. Well, you know, what it's really about is getting a, getting a spouse. I need to get married. And again, I, I feel like i got probably the best wife 
uh, possible, but she disappoints. Not as much as I disappoint her, but it's not quite it. Well, maybe when we get kids, I'm sorry to say that there are occasions when they disappoint. You see, every step of the way, while these things are great, and I, I love everything that God has given me, and I'm grateful for all the things He has given me, none of them totally and completely satisfy. And the day that I begin to believe, and the days that I forget what God has said, that everything that I have is temporary, that, that everything I have is passing away, are the days where I'm depressed and discouraged and disappointed because these things were never meant to satisfy. They were always meant to be enjoyed in light of the fact that I have an eternal God who loves me and that He has given me these gifts and I'm to give them back to Him. And so maybe the reason why this morning you're so frustrated is because you didn't listen to what God said when He said, don't seek the, the living among the dead. Jesus' entire ministry says, don't look here, look there. Don't focus on the now, focus on eternity. Maybe you didn't listen. Or maybe you're not listening to God's people. Look at verse 9. And so these ladies, they go and they see and they experience. And returning from the tomb, in verse 9, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them, in verse 11, these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. So the first preachers of the gospel of the fact that Jesus rose from the grave are faithful women. I think we could all thank God for faithful women this morning. I know I wouldn't know anything about the gospel if it weren't for faithful women. Women who were willing to continue to, to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. To women who are willing to do the hard work of teaching young people the gospel, the good news about Jesus. I'm so thankful that God has put faithful women in my life. But these women, they go and they say, hey, listen, he ain't dead. We went and looked. He ain't there. Peter, we learned from verse 12, Peter has to run and go see for himself because he's Peter, right? But verse 11 here it says that they come back and they say, he's not dead, he's alive. And the response of the 11, there's only 11 left because one of them betrayed Jesus and went and hung himself. So there's 11 disciples left at this point. Locked behind locked doors because they're all afraid, they're terrified. That's these big strong men, right? They're terrified. The women are out checking out the tomb. The men are hiding away in the corner. They're terrified. The women come back and they say, hey, Jesus is alive, and they think of it as a fairy tale. It's an old wives' tale. It's an idle tale. You ladies, you're always thinking with your heart, not your, not your head. We don't, we don't have to listen to you. You don't know what you're talking about. They would not listen to God's people. They would not li listen to the testimony of God's people. Can I, can I just encourage you this morning? Maybe... Maybe the reason why you're struggling connecting with the Lord is because you're struggling listening to God's people. Maybe the reason is you're not allowing other people to teach you. Being teachable is necessary. So preaching is what I love. I mean, if there's one thing I could pick, I'd love 
preaching. I love Sunday morning worship service. For me, I, I just love it. But did you know, like the meat, and, the meat and taters, can I say taters? The meat and taters of the gospel ministry of Jesus Christ is small group time, it's community time. So we get together and we, we go into God's Word together. This is sort of like dessert. Of course, I like to eat dessert first and last. But, but the, Sunday morning, it's a wonderful celebration. We ought to gather for this. We ought to, to celebrate this. This is special time of God's people raising our voices together. Because if you're not plugged into community other places, we're doing you a disservice as a church family. If you ever think that this is it, if you think that the only time you can hear from the Lord is here, you're missing it. Because we, we, we must commit ourselves to each other in reminding each other. I, I, I mean, we do this on Sunday morning worship. We, we ought to do it in other places. But, but it, every time we gather, the purpose of gathering is to remind each other that Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. Like we sang this morning about His resurrection. We sang this morning about His life that He has given us. It's important to remind each other. Because you know what? We forget. We get in Monday mode and we're like, okay, I'm just going to make it through this week. And then come Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's like, ah, is this ever going to get any better? God, where are you? And it's in those moments where if you have Christian friends in your life, they'll tell you, dude, don't forget, Jesus is alive. Don't forget, this isn't it. This isn't the end. Like, Jesus is alive. Be reminded of that this morning. Remind each other. Like, we need each other. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're not going to make it without each other. There ought to be times in your lives where you are investing in each other, where you're reminding each other Jesus is alive. Otherwise, we'll never make it. Are you listening to God's people this morning? Maybe if you're not, maybe that's the reason why you're so depressed, discouraged, and disappointed in the Lord. And then moving on, I'm not going to go through the entire passage of the story of the road to Emmaus. Just for time's sake, I want to get to the end of this chapter before the end of my time with you. But right after this, there's two guys, they're walking somewhere between Jerusalem and Emmaus. They're on this road, and as they're walking, they're talking, and they're upset, and Jesus appears to them. And Luke tells us that they don't know who Jesus is. They don't recognize him right off the bat. He just sees them talking, and and as they're talking, and as they're talking with Jesus, Jesus begins to ask them, you know, what are you talking about? And they're like, don't you know, have you been living under a rock? The guy who we thought was going to be our Savior has been killed. Our religious leaders killed him. They didn't like him, so they killed him. We thought we were finally free. We thought he was going to throw the Roman Empire out the window. We thought we were finally going to rule the world. And all of our hopes and dreams are dashed. Jesus, or Luke tells us that they were speaking and that their faces were sad. They were depressed. They were discouraged. And it's at that point that Jesus says, oh, you foolish, foolish people. You're so slow to hear. You're so slow to comprehend, so slow to believe. Don't you know the truth? Beginning with Moses and the prophets, Luke tells us, he begins to explain it. Moses and the prophets all the way up until his time, telling him this is what the Savior's going to do. He's going to come, he's going to live, and he's going to die for your sins. Like this is not something new. This is what has always been the the truth. But they didn't hear that. Remember, these are Jesus' disciples. They don't even recognize Jesus when he shows up. Because they had missed the truth. 
They'd miss the fact that he told them. He told them, I don't know how many times I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. But all they heard was, we're going to reign. We get a kingdom. You see, sometimes we get disappointed in God because we only listen to half of what he says. We only hear the part we want to hear. Y'all ever have selective hearing? <laughs> Yesterday, my, my kids were outside. They were playing on the trampoline. I looked out and they're playing this game where Josiah's pretending like he's going to eat his sister. I may have started that game, I'm not sure. But, but anyway, so I look out and she, he's going for her ribs, right? And I said, Josiah, don't eat your sister's ribs. He jumped up. He's like, yeah! And he ran and he got his shoes and he said, I'm getting some ribs. Now you got to understand, Josiah loves ribs. Like, don't ever encourage him. Like, hey, I'll feed your ribs, Josiah. You don't want to do that. You'll go broke. And so anyway, he loves them. He, like, he gets his shoes. I'm like, son, no. I said, don't eat your sister's ribs. And he was mad for like a good 30 minutes at me. He's like, where's my ribs, Dad? He's like, I never said anything about feeding you ribs. I said, don't eat your sisters. He didn't care. He only cared about the part he chose to hear. I'm afraid very often what happens to us is Jesus tells us we have eternal life and we think that means that He's going to bless us and we think that means that we get whatever we want now. And we put all of our eggs, there's the Easter reference, we talked about that in Sunday school, put all of our eggs in this basket. And guys, if you put your eggs in this basket, in the here and now basket, it's going to break. I don't care what you put it in. I don't care if you put it in your bank account. I don't care if you put it in your job, in your family. It doesn't matter. Eventually those eggs are going to get broke. He says, don't put your eggs in this basket. Trust in Him and He will give you eternal life. And so, so don't just hear the part that you want to hear. Hear what God has actually said, which is He will give you eternal life. So look at verse 36. And so we see already two times He's reminded them of what He already told them. So verse 36, these guys go and they tell the people, they tell the other 11 disciples, this is what's going on. Jesus is actually alive. We have saw Him too. Verse 36, And as they were talking about these things, Jesus Himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they, they saw a spirit. Now, I just want to point out here that this shows how much Jesus loves his disciples. Can you imagine showing up and they think you're a ghost and not going, boo! Like, I mean, I would definitely do that, right? I mean, they would all die of a heart attack right there. But Jesus resists because he loves his disciples more than I, I do, apparently, because I definitely, I would, I would take that opportunity. But he, he doesn't do that. They were startled. He says, peace be to you. Uh, then verse 38, and he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Jesus said, touch me. Come on. I'm not a spirit. You, if I was a spirit, you put your hand right through me. Oh, don't touch me. No, I'm just, but I mean, you can just imagine their experience of seeing Jesus and him saying, touch me, look at my hands. Don't you see the holes in my hands? Don't you see the holes in my feet? Don't you know that I am who I am? Don't you know that I am he? And so, verse 40, And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet, and while they, were, while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, apparently they were just so excited they still couldn't believe, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. I, I love how Luke always includes Jesus eating. Like every time he's teaching them something, it's like he's always eating. There's just something always to be learned around the meal, isn't there? 
I think we, we as Baptists probably have that part figured out. We don't have anything else, but we got eaten down. Like, give us a meal, we're good, right? But no, Jesus, all the way through Luke's gospel, is teaching people through mealtime. I mean, so he's saying, let me eat something. Is a ghost going to eat your fish? No. Which, and while we're on topic, and I, I don't I want to stray too far here, but I, it's important that you sit down and you eat with other believers. It's important that you sit down and eat with people who aren't believers and talk about God. Guys, I, I don't know if you know this, but you don't have to have a church-sanctioned dinner to talk about God. Fellowship time should probably happen more outside of these walls than inside. If we don't love each other enough, we don't like each other enough to eat with each other, we probably got issues. Probably need to sit down and eat and figure out what those issues are. Everybody's happier when you eat. We all know that. You get in an argument in the car on the way home, you're like, oh yeah, babe, I need to stop and get you something, don't I? Right? I mean, you just know when you're angry, that's probably because you're hangry, as my kids would say. And so they, verse 44, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Third time, he says, I told you so. I don't know if he likes telling them I told you so as much as I do. Y'all love that, right? Y'all love, you know, I knew this was going to happen. I'm pretty sure I told y'all may not have been precisely this way, but I knew it was going to. Y'all ever do that? But Jesus, I don't think he likes it as much as we do. He's like, don't you remember? I told you these things. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus said, this is what God has said from the beginning. And when God says something, he means it. It's not like us. I don't, I don't know if y'all have this struggle, but sometimes I forget what I say. And even if you can prove I said it, it may still be irrelevant. Right? I may have changed my mind by that point. God doesn't change his mind like that. God says he's going to do something and he does it. He's like, listen, I've promised from the beginning I'm going to save you through the Savior. Then he gives us three uh, different pieces of what, how our response should be. Repentance, forgiveness, and sharing, proclaiming of his name to all nations. And so what is repentance? Repentance is turning from your sin back to Christ. Turning from your sin back to God. It's turning from what God told you not to do to what God tells you to do. That's what repentance is. It's simply a turning away from your way to God's way. He calls us this morning based on the fact that he has died in our place, he has paid our penalty, he has paid our price, to turn to Him. And not only to turn to Him, but asking forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins. We ought to be proclaiming forgiveness of sins to each other. We ought to be receiving His forgiveness, asking for His forgiveness. Jesus' message is very simple and very clear. Don't do what you want to do. Do what I've called you to. You want forgiveness. You want salvation. You want eternal life. Ask for it. And He gives it. Like That's a pretty simple understanding message, isn't it? Like, do you want heaven or do you want hell? I want heaven. It's easy, right? That's not a trick question, is it? Do you want judgment or do you want grace? Do you want mercy or do you want condemnation? I'm choosing mercy, grace, forgiveness. Like, I, I, I got that much. He says, do you want to be saved? Simply ask and it will be given. Guys, what is holding you back this morning? What is holding you back from saying, I need forgiveness? Is it that you think you're too bad? You're not that bad. You're not. I promise you're not. You may think you're bad, but you ain't that bad. 
You're not any worse than me. You're not any worse than someone like the Apostle Paul, who for his job killed Christians. There's grace for you. There's mercy for you. And it's there for the taken. Just say, Lord, I need your forgiveness. And guess what he gives you? His forgiveness. Based on what Christ has done, Jesus already paid the bill. All you got to do is ask for it. Why are you holding back? Why are you not receiving? It's free. Or is it because you think you're too good? You ain't that good either. I promise. Not any better than anybody else. You may be a little better. Right? Maybe you're not quite as bad as your neighbor. But that's not God's standard, unfortunately. You can't just be better than your neighbor. You actually have to be perfect. And there's not one of us here this morning who are perfect. But Jesus has made a way for all of us imperfect people to experience eternal joy in heaven because he died and he rose again. He paid our penalty on the cross. He died, was buried, and he rose again. The, the fact that he rose again shows that the Father received his payment for us. He was punished for us. So do you want punishment or do you want love? Do you want grace or do you want, want condemnation? Choose love. Choose grace this morning. Why not? Be saved. Stand with us. And as you stand, I'm going to pray. And as I pray, uh, we're going to get ready to sing. And as we sing, I want you to come and I want you to pray and thank the Lord for your salvation. Come and ask Him to save you. You, you just come and you do business with the Lord. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for the gospel. Lord, I thank you for the fact that we serve a living, risen Savior. God, I thank you for the mercy and the forgiveness and grace that's available this morning. God, help us to receive it. Help us to reach out and take hold of it. Help us to love you, Lord. Help us to, to, to respond to you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hear the Savior say,